Hey everyone, welcome to Epicurean Unicorn, the podcast where we delve into the science and art of bread, patisserie, and so much more. We're interviewing and conversing with experts on these items so that we can better understand and help you learn more about the wonderful culinary world we live in. Our hosts, Amanda, Brayden, and me, Connie, will be guiding you on the delicious adventure that we have in store. So sit back, buckle up, and get ready to rumble. Hello, and welcome to possibly the most serious episode of Epicurean Unicorn yet. Ooh. I'm here today, and my name is Brayden. I'm one of your hosts. I, of course, have a co-host today. Hello, you might be... I am Connie, and I'm super serious today, as evidenced by monotone. Excellent. We finally have serious Connie, everybody. Welcome to the world in which Connie is serious. Yeah, I can't do it. I'm done with that. No, oh, okay. Oh, that's okay. You don't have to. This is better anyway. Connie, I make the joke because generally we like to be very silly, and we had a wonderful guest who does very important work and who did get a little silly, of course, with us. Shared, though, a lot of really fascinating work that she does. Who'd we talk to? Today, we are going to be listening to a conversation with Lee Sanders from the American Bakers Association, and her role is the Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Public Affairs for the ABA. Um, And Brayden, you're absolutely right. Yes, while we do tend to get silly and whatnot, we definitely talked about some very interesting, serious, maybe items that are less thought about when it comes to nutritional standpoints, things that are mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. shared with the public and education yeah. when it comes to nutrition and all that good stuff. Yes. Yeah. Lee and the ABA are really doing some important work that touches everybody who lives in the U.S. It touches all of our lives from you know what we are given as guidance on nutrition and what decisions companies make on their products that end up on store shelves. So it's, it's very important work, and we really thank Lee for coming on to speak with us. Now, to, of course, hear our conversation with Lee, what do we have to do? We have to go down to the club, the serious club of Epicurean Ser- It's very serious today. Connie, this is a serious episode. Okay. We have to walk seriously down these steps. Serious. Open the door in a serious, dignified mm-hmm. manner. Quiet. Nod with the tip of a hat to the unicorn bouncer. Give Unicorn Chef, again, a slight nod and a tip of the cap. Maybe a salute. A salute may do, perhaps. Enjoy the grain-filled buffet that the Unicorn Chef has prepared. I see everything includes a grain in honor of the ABA, so that is fantastic. Thank you, Unicorn Chef, for that. All of you are probably asking yourselves, how do we get into Club Unicorn? First off, you have to get down some steps and through a door. We just did it. It's obvious. Come on. Woohoo. What you really need to do is go on your podcast app of choice, whichever one is your favorite. Write something about us. We'd love it to be nice, but it doesn't have to be. All you need to do, though, is rate whatever you write as five stars. Take a picture. Send that review to epicureanunicorn at parados.com, and then we consider you a member of Club Unicorn. You get... Well, we haven't quite figured out what you get. It'll be something (laughs) good, though. So go ahead, become a member, and... We'll get back to you on the bonus-filled prize pack you will receive. Maybe maybe it'll be a bonus episode where we just have oh. crying from the five-star but <laughs> not nice comments that people leave. Oh, where we read them and we just cry. Yeah. If you want to hear us cry, write something mean but rate it five stars. Yes. Send it to us at Epicurean Unicorn and then you'll get your wish. Be serious, Brayden. Oh, I'm sorry. Serious. 
serious. It's a serious episode. It really is, though, because, again, as silly as we are, uh, the work Lee does is fantastic. You're about to hear about it. She is one of the nicest people you could meet who has been doing this wonderful work for a long time, and we really appreciate her coming on and sharing with us what's been going on at the ABA uh, as it relates to you know nutritional guidelines and dietary uh, guidelines for the U.S. Let's get to that conversation. All right, hit it. Lee, hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really happy that you took some time out for us. How have you been? Good, Brayden. Thanks so much. Everything's good. How about for you? We've been well. You're in the Washington, D.C. area, I believe, correct? That is correct. I'm actually in Virginia. Okay, so you've probably, like us, had the heat wave that we just went through as of this recording. We are still having it, and actually it's supposed to, there's supposed to be major thunderstorms this afternoon, so I think we're going to get some relief later today. That's good to hear. For me, summer is not my favorite time of year because of the heat, so I can't wait, at least where I am in Philadelphia, for some of that relief. It probably surprises people, though, you didn't come to talk meteorology because you are a member of the ABA, which we'll expand upon in just a moment. Elevator pitch. What's the ABA? What do you folks do? And what do you do in that organization? Sure. Well, um, ABA is the um, National Trade Association representing wholesale bakers and their suppliers. And so this is actually our 125th anniversary year. So that's really exciting. Wonderful. And, you know, our our history is representing the baking industry, their views, their interests on Capitol Hill and in state legislatures. You know, we um, represent about 1,600 bakery facilities here in the U.S. We represent about $154 billion in economic impact. We employ almost 800,000 skilled employees, skilled workers. We're we're a force to be reckoned with. You are. You're definitely a force to be reckoned with. So I'm curious, (laughs) since your role, you said, is really to work with government, you're doing that, though, on behalf of the bakery industry. Do you have a background in the bakery industry, or do you have a background more in political science or something totally out of left field? Yes. So (laughs) I've been um, in the baking industry for over 28 years now. So I've learned a lot. And the thing that's so exciting about the industry is you learn something new every day. I like to think of myself as a lifelong learner. And so that's easy in this terrific industry. But I do have a background in um, political science and also in journalism. And so I started my career on Capitol Hill, uh, working for Senator Thad Cochran of Mississippi, and then went on to work for former President uh, George Herbert Walker Bush, President Bush Sr., Mm -hmm. and then came to ABA. With all of that experience uh, working on Capitol Hill, completely out of my league, something I know nothing about. So I'm really glad that the industry has you and the folks at the ABA to work on our behalf. And One of the areas that you work in is the area of nutrition and specifically nutritional guidance for the citizens of our country. And that's what we'd really like to talk with you about today. Can you start explaining to us how really the nutritional guidelines started in the U.S. and then how organizations such as yours have become involved and what that process 
has looked like uh, as those guidelines are grown, adapted, because we're in a time right now, correct me if I'm wrong, where they are changing and adapting. That's right. They review the dietary guidelines uh, and those recommendations for Americans every five years. And so they've been doing this, um, I believe, since the early 1980s, before my time um, in the industry. (laughs) But um, it is something where, you know, it's important to look at new evolving science that could impact, you know, the recommendations for different age groups. And so um, that's something that they have continued to do. We are, and it is every five years, and so it doesn't happen uh, quickly. It is a process that takes several years. And so once one set of recommendations is is complete, they really almost immediately start working on the next review. Wow. And so we're, we've already started that process for uh, 2025. Okay. Had and we've already had two opportunities to comment. The first was on um, proposed scientific questions that would be posed, and so that was our first opportunity to comment. The second opportunity was on the nomination process, and that just closed um, on July the fifteenth. And so they've already laid out the timeline for the twenty twenty five review, and we can expect there to start having their series of public meetings in January of 2023. We expect okay. there to be five public meetings, just like the last review. And so in their uh, meetings and their plans, there'll be opportunities again for both oral comment and written comment from the public. And so we'll make sure that, you know, ABA weighs in all along the way. And um, we do that in two different ways. ABA actually leads um, two different coalitions. The first is the Grain Chain. And so the Grain Chain is an organization of uh, farm-to-fork grain associations um, and councils. So um, the wheat growers, millers, bakers, and it's other grains as well, not just wheat, but we also have rice in there, pasta. um, And so um, there are other groups that that join in and we found that having uh, all the grain groups together provides an opportunity to develop unified comments around grain recommendations and the new science that's emerged in this area and so we found that to be really helpful we've done that for about the last three cycles there's so much here because i can only imagine i want to start with finding out you said you had two chances to comment Two chances to comment so far. And then I would also mention there is a second organization, the Food and Beverage Issue Alliance. That's a broader alliance of of, of food stakeholders. ABA is currently the chair for that group. We were a founder of that group about eight years ago. That group meets, it's a platform for uh, communications with senior government officials. And so um, not only do we meet quarterly with FDA, but we also, in cases like this, um, with the dietary guidelines, we have a very broad working group that also develops comments from from a broader food perspective. And so that group has also weighed in, and ABA has been part of that. Okay, see, that's what I, at some point I was going to ask, what is the relationship with the FDA, with the CDC, with USDA, you know, different organizations at that governmental level? And it sounds like you guys are kind of the 
at the forefront when it comes to proposing some of these major changes that we'll see with the FDA's name on them? Do I have that? How do I have that in comparison to how it actually happens? For the dietary guidelines, this is actually done with a partnership between um, Health and Human Services and the U.S. Department of Agriculture. So FDA is under the umbrella of Health and Human Services. And so this is actually on a higher level. And then those two organizations, those two agencies rotate um, kind of taking the lead. And so the lead for the 2025 review is being led by the Health and Human Services. Oh. And then in partnership with USDA. Oh, interesting. So maybe if someone were to go back and kind of keep track of some of the changes that are put into effect in these cycles, they might say, ah, I can see that, uh, you know, Health and Human Services was leading it that year as opposed to, you know, the USDA who was leading it that year. That's interesting that it's not necessarily a static situation, a little bit more dynamic than one might think. And then the other parallel um, activity that goes on around that is the uh, MyPlate messaging, which is on always mm-hmm. on the USDA website. And so ABA, that's another group that we're engaged in. We're um, a national strategic partner for the MyPlate. And so that focuses on messaging around what's on the plate. And so what was really exciting in 2020 as part of the dietary guidelines is that whole grains were for the first time deemed essential to the plate along with fruits and vegetables. So that really provides new opportunities to talk about the value of nutrient-dense grains. And why was, why have they been put into a focus at that point? Is there a concise way to kind of sum it up as opposed to past years? Sorry, I'm tangenting a little bit here, but, uh, you know, it's a pretty big milestone, it sounds like. It, it is a big milestone. And I think that, you know, there was new emerging science talking about nutrient density. And there was a big focus this last time. And there will be this review as well, looking at different life stages And so, you know, looking at what does it mean for, um, they had new recommendations for the first time from ages zero to two, and then for children and for adults, you know, active adults, and then for um, older Americans, um, and then, you know, for folks that may have special health needs. And so, you know, when there's new science that comes out that talks about the value and the nutrient density, that really, I think... um, knocked one out of the, the ballpark, so to speak. Hmm. Interesting. No, that's, that's kind of funny in this day and age, too, and everything, I shouldn't make that generalization, more focus has been put onto holistic, like, oh, just in general, big picture, this is good for you. From a scientific standpoint, it is still very beneficial, kind of in this scenario, to break things down into segments. Okay, what's good for a two-year-old is not going to be the same as what's good for someone who's getting into their later years and whatnot. So it's interesting to see that they've made that distinction more recently than not. And, and balance is good. And the, the nice thing about the visuals they use with the, the my plate is it is a plate, right? It is setting, setting the table and um, bringing it all together. And so I think you couple, you know, the great recommendations that are based on science from the dietary guideline review, and then you use the visuals in messaging Uh, with the strategic partners, and that can be really valuable and strong. It's a whole psychological education 
question that comes into play. Yeah, and that's important because, you know, you can have the recommendations, but, you know, are there a lot of Americans that are going to sit down and read the report? Or, you know, so you have to think about ways to promote um, those recommendations that come out. Think about a powerful way that will really resonate with consumers and, uh, and families. I wanted to find out, just for my own curiosity, you were talking about when you received the documents on the guidelines and you're able to comment. What exactly are you receiving? I mean, are you looking through 500 pages or are you looking through something that's more real high level about where the government is looking to take the guidelines and they just want your input on maybe the directionality of those guidelines? Well, the great thing is there's a, a very transparent website, dietaryguidelines.gov, and so you can go back and look at earlier versions of the dietary guidelines, and then as they put out um, notices for comment or notices for feedback, it's all in that one hub, so to speak, and you can go in and look, uh, and then that's, that's a, a very transparent, clear, organized way. Um, for folks to to weigh in, you can do that on on through the website, and um, and they make it very easy to understand how to do that. I don't know. I don't think we're necessarily going to be able to tie a bow on every aspect of the conversation that you talk about, Lee, because there's so much to unpack here. But uh, the name of okay, so ABA stands for America. Sorry, wait, American Bakers Association. But I am curious because you said at the top of our conversation that you know you always need to keep asking around doing research to stay relevant with the times and whatnot and though american is very much in the name of this organization are there regular opportunities to speak with uh those when it comes to nutrition from the rest of the world as well is there ever any consultation done internationally um to see what's going on there or is it very much so domestic and you let others kind of handle seeing what's going on in the rest of the world when it comes to health and nutrition and whatnot as well. I mean, our focus is on what's going on in the United States, but certainly it's really important to be mindful of what's going on from a global perspective. That is something that we, we do look at. Um, there's a lot that uh, that comes out of Europe, other places in the world. There's Codex Alimentarius that is uh, a body that develops uh, policies uh, in Europe. And so they, you know, often are talking about nutrition, health, food safety, and labeling. And so those are things that we all look, you know, see what they are talking about, because often you'll see trends there that will show up in other places. Certainly, you know, our partners in Canada and Mexico, it's important to, to look at what they're doing because there's a lot of trade, of course, over the border. And so nutrition labeling, sometimes you need more than one set in more than one language uh, to make sure that you're in compliance. You know, the other thing that's, that's really exciting right now is with the Biden administration, there's a lot of talk on health equity and the importance of those communications. And so, you know, not only can you find that on the USDA website, on the, the MyPlate Partner um, site, but through the thriftymeals.gov plan, there's really great language in there. They did allow for extra or new funding 
for uh, promotion of grain foods. And so as part of that plan, that's really exciting. That happened about a year ago. And then I'd also note that, you know, as part of the health equity work, we are talking about that as we're having our discussions, our, started our discussions for the 2025 review, but we also put together toolkits that are available to our members to help them communicate about those health equity issues that are so important, about access to food, about, um, you know, children's health, about nutrient density, and then, you know, giving back into the community. So those are all really important things that are very top of mind right now. During the last dietary guideline review, the grain chain uh, developed a website called gograins.org. And so that website has some terrific information, both messages, um, a lot of the scientific papers that were shared with USDA and HHS as they were reviewing the emerging science. And so it's a, it's a great resource for, for bakers all around the world. Yeah, I'm actually scrolling down a little bit as we speak, <laughs> and it looks like there's so much information here, plant-based, from birth and beyond, kind of everything that you've been talking about. Ooh. Okay, so that'll, oh, and then a link to myplate.gov right there. Perfect. So it's all kind of, it all ties into each other all the time. You mentioned the nutritional information on packaging when you were speaking prior. Yes. Mm -hmm. Does the work you're doing impact that label? And if so, how? One of my thoughts here with this question is, would the ABA or you work with the government to come up with a system similar to some other countries where they have, you know, A, B, C, you know, A is very nutritious, B less so, C even less so. I'm curious what kind of impact, because consumers nowadays, they look at that label, they read it. I'm curious how the work you're doing is impacting our everyday lives when we read these nutrition labels. That's a, a really good question. And they, you know, they are there are innovative uh, approaches uh, in different countries. And so one of the things that FDA did, and we helped and partnered with them, um, is they revised the Nutrition Facts Panel. And so as they were making those revisions, that's actually where the, the establishment of the Food and Beverage Issue Alliance came in. There was a small group of trade associations that ABA led, we went in and met with the deputy commissioner of FDA at the time uh, to talk and, and offer ourselves as a resource when they started to review the, the nutrition facts panel that was established about 20 years beforehand. And so um, through that process, uh, we had ongoing dialogue and established those quarterly meetings with FDA to talk about nutrition. That became so helpful to them. We also started talking about other other issues like food safety. The U.S. has upgraded and refreshed their nutrition facts, and so that's, that's really important. The other thing that's going on right now that would be of a lot of interest to you all is the White House Conference. That's the first time that that has happened in about 50 years. The White House Conference on Food, Nutrition, Hunger is... Um, is something that's going to be happening, we believe, in September. Uh, there are bi-weekly calls for that, and they've had um, listening sessions all over the country to get feedback from folks. Um, and they've also held a special 
listening session with the food industry and ag partners. They've had a couple of those. And so that's something that um, both the Grain Chain and the Food and Beverage Issue Alliance, along with ABA, have gotten engaged in because they're, they're looking at some of these health equity issues. They're looking at hunger. They're looking at, you know, how can uh, there be transformational change to help all Americans. One of the running themes when we talk to folks is to, to put a positive message out there and to try to work from a place of positivity. So I like hearing that, that we're really focusing now, you're saying for the first time in 50 years, on, on how we can really help everybody. That brings me to a question on the members of the ABA. You're doing a lot of work on the members' behalf. So thank you, because if I needed to be involved, this is way out of my league. I would be lost trying to navigate all of these government agencies. How do you uh, work with the members or how do the members share with you what's important so that when you're going to be their advocate with the government, you really know what's important to the bakery industry here today? That's the most important work that we do. Everything we do is driven by our members. And so whether we're having one-on-one discussions with uh, individual member companies, or we have um, professional groups, you would think of them as maybe committees, professional groups. And so we have those for every kind of policy area. And so there's one for food technical, regulatory affairs, labor, workforce issues, commodity issues, logistics, energy and environment. So there's, you know, we have, we cover the waterfront. And so we have the right people at the table to get feedback. So we have experts in the industry that can talk about these issues, that can talk about how it impacts their day-to-day processes and their their plants um, and what it means for their companies and what it means for their bottom line. And so, you know, that's, we think about that with everything that we do. Other thing is that, and not all associations do this, but anything that we move forward, we have to have a consensus on. And so we're very consensus driven. um, And so I think that that makes a difference. We always know we can come from a position of strength and that we're doing, you know, what our members uh, need us to do. As someone who works for a company at Parados that's a member of the ABA, I'm really excited to hear everything that you do for us. And I'm aware a lot of the behind the scenes actions you're taking, because as I said, we're members, so we get to interact on a, on a separate level. I'm also really excited because we have a huge show in Vegas later this year, IBIE, and I'm going to be there. And I think I'm going to get to see all of you folks there because it's really pertinent to the time and it's taking up, oh, only about 47 hours of my day. I've extended the day for this. Could you fill us in quickly on what you're going to be up to at IBIE and how people can interact with you there? um, IBIE is a great place to interact with the ABA team. And so we'll have a booth that's central uh, within the show floor. And so I would encourage uh, Parados and other members to come by and visit with us. It's a great chance to have one-on-one conversations, talk about the priorities, what's important to you, what's keeping you awake at night. Um, Because those conversations are so informative to the staff and helps us think about, you know, what's coming down the pike uh, and what we need to be uh, focusing on to to help 
you as a member and, and to help other members as well. Yeah, it's a great place too, just to meet some of the other members and to get to interact and learn a little bit about what's going on. And for anyone listening who may not be familiar, we're using a lot of abbreviations here, IBIE. If you want to look that up, you can search it by IBIE, but it's also the International Baking Industry Exposition. It's in Las Vegas. Uh, education starts on the 17th of September. The show's on the 18th. It runs through the 21st. All of that being said, right, we'll get to all catch up at IBIE. Can we put a little, as Connie said earlier, kind of a, a bow on it, a button on it, with how uh, ABA is involved at IBIE and what uh, that show really means to you because you're a really big part of it at the end of the day. We are. ABA is a um, majority owner of IBIE, so it's it's really important. It's an integral part of uh, ABA overall. Uh, we're very engaged in the educational sessions as well. We have over 12 uh, ABA-sponsored sessions. Um, there'll be interactive activities on the floor. It's something that you just really don't want to miss. If you're in the baking industry, this is where you need to be that week. It's where we will all be, that's for certain. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it is amazing when people not only have passion, and organizations uh, for what they do, but when they know how to educate in a very, um, in a manner in which their audiences are receptive to. And I'm kind of curiously, when it comes to the fads and the trends that are happening in the industry, and right now it's very interesting because keto is a huge thing. Okay, so that's cutting out carbs, even unfortunately whole grains and things like that, just because people want to, you know, eradicate sugar in any form from their diet. How do you, is there a strategy when it comes to presenting, you know, whole grains are actually good for you in a, in a way to which people will accept that as opposed to latching on to keto trends and things like that? Because I feel like there's probably a certain level of combativeness that goes along with all of these, you know, micro trends or maybe even more macro that kind of inundate the industry and consumers in general. Well, grains have a great story to tell. Uh, they're nutrient dense, whether they're whole grains or enriched grains, there's value there for all different kinds of consumers. And what we found too is that everything fits on the plate. You shouldn't be cutting out anything from your diet if you really want to have a holistic, you know, healthy approach to your daily intake. And so um, I think it's really important for us and something we strive to do is to talk about the value, the nutrition, why you need to have grains um, at every eating occasion. And so, uh, you know, there's great opportunities, whether it be the dietary guidelines, um, the uh, White House conference, thrifty food plan, or um, if you want to do some additional messaging, social media messaging, we have lots to offer that can help companies do that and, and promote their terrific products uh, and the innovation that's out there. So it sounds like just with many aspects of life, exclusion is never the answer. You always want to make sure you can include everything in the right balance. And it's just honing in and educating yourself about that balance. That's exactly right. That's a great way for us to get to the end of this. 
Now, we wouldn't be allowed, Lee, to wrap this up if we didn't put you on the spot, as wonderful as you've been, with a few questions that are not related to baking, for the most part, or government, or anything you have experience in. Are you ready for just a few as we wrap up here? I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all scared Because you could all see the look on her face. (laughs) (laughs) It's a way for everyone listening to get to know us all a little bit better. So I'm curious, first off, you use the phrase to hit it out of the park, you know, reference to a home run in baseball. You have a favorite baseball team? Well, it's funny that you say that because I see what is behind you there, that okay. the Red Sox. And I have to mm-hmm. tell you that my mm-hmm. fiance is a huge Boston uh, Red Sox fan. He's from Maine. Oh. And so I Lee, have. You're welcome. Anytime. We love you. I have gone to my first Red Sox game in Fenway Field just this month. And so that was a really fun experience. But I do also like the Na- Washington National and the Braves. So okay, uh, I'm just I'm just curious. I've spent a lot of time in Maine. Where's he from? Um, he's from uh, Farmingdale, outside of Augusta. My parents have a house in Fayette, just outside of Augusta. I know right where that is. Okay, well you're you're a real Mainer then, if you know where that yeah, is. <laughs> I do. You represent the baking industry. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, any part time of the day. What's your favorite baked good? Oh, well, can I have a favorite savory and a favorite sweet good? How about that? Absolutely. You're you're the guest. You can do whatever you want. Well, I love a a good chocolate glazed donut. And then Mm. I love wonderful rye bread. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, those are two strong choices. I was going to say, but we do need to differentiate. Are you talking about a chocolate glazed cake donut or a chocolate glazed strays donut? We could get further into it here. Ooh. Or does it not matter? Mm. I like both, but I think the yeast raised are my favorite. All right. Good I... answer. That's my department. <laughs> <laughs> Literally her department at work. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Final question as we wrap up here, because you've been wonderful and you've educated us so much. If you could travel anywhere, any time period, where would you go? You know, I would like to go to Greece. Mm. I think that uh, it would be really fun to, to go to Greece, and any time period would work probably in the last uh, 40 years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good disclaimer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, there'd be some great breads to have when you were there. And yes, some great you could baked really goods. enjoy, yeah. yeah. Breads, olives, cheeses, wonderful. Mm-hmm. A real Mediterranean diet. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Yes. Yes, indeed. Lee, it's you really have been fantastic. You've educated us and shown all of us in the industry what you do for us. And we should all be very appreciative because, again, if I had to do it, it wouldn't be getting done <laughs> because it's way over my head. To wrap up, where can folks find the ABA? You listed a lot of resources earlier. If they want to find, though, the one-stop shop, that will lead them all those places, find out what you're doing, where should people go? Oh, people can go to theamericanbakers.org to our website, which is a terrific resource. They can also find us on social media at LinkedIn and on Twitter. Perfect. So go check out the ABA. If you're going to be in Vegas, check out IBIE later this year. You'll get to see myself there. I'll be there. Lee, will you be there? Absolutely. I well, we're going to meet in person. Yeah, that'll be great. I can't wait. Fantastic. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. You take care and try to stay cool. 
Thanks, Brayden. Thanks, Connie. Bye. After the conversation with Lee, I don't know about you, Brayden, but I thought it was so interesting how there are just so many factors, considerations, and interworkings between various departments that um, collaborate together in order to form the material that we are using to educate the populace when it comes to nutrition standpoints, especially from a grain and baker's perspective. So that part of the puzzle was very interesting to me just to see how many hands uh, touch what we perceive to be just general education on food. No, there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than is expected. And it was interesting to see how involved the ADA is, especially with the grain portion of this education. Indeed, you don't realize even when you're in the industry, everything that's going on really on your behalf as a member of the industry, also though on the behalf of you as a consumer to make sure that all of these agencies are working together. And I liked what Lee said in there about how they have the chance to comment and to make sure that current scientific studies are being listened to, right? That the, the scientific advice is being listened to. I think that's really important when you're talking about public policy, that the people creating the public policy are looking into what the scientists are saying, because of course, we work in a in a scientific field, so to us, it's it's very important. It's very important that we're not just making decisions based on gut feelings or hearsay, and just the general mood of the people or the industry. No, we need to actually make sure the government bodies are looking at the scientific evidence and what the studies are showing, so that we can be giving the best nutrition to to the people. And even on from that, what she said, Connie, about how now for the first time they're breaking some of these guidelines up by age group and they're really starting to look into what people really need at different stages of life. I think that's a really smart move and it was interesting for me to learn about that. Yeah, no, I totally agree with the different stages of life. Yeah, because that's, you know, mentally we consider what's healthy and what's not for different people all the time. But maybe from a nutritional standpoint, it is just as or if not more important as well. Um, I also thought it was interesting how they face the uh, fads and trends and exclusion diets that come out based on you know social media or whatever this influencer might think is popular at this point in time. The fact that you know science is always used in order to formulate this holistic approach to your diet and your nutrition, is so important to keep in mind at all times. So hearing it from a, someone who actually is involved in all of these recommendations and whatnot is good and it reinforces, okay, all right, we might hear these things, we might have our news feeds channeled to you know, be more um, cognizant of the trends that are happening at the time, but ultimately you always want to get an overall holistic look of the situation, whether it's where you're pulling your information from, what kind of nutrition and diet you're adapting to, um, all that good stuff. I think all of that is good to take into account, consideration, and I just keep hitting on the same topic that it's great that somebody like Lee and an organization like the ABA are there to be the advocates for us in the bakery industry as members since Parados is a member of the ABA. It's also, I'll say, to wrap up, it's great work that they do with shows like 
IBIE, which is coming up in about a month from when you'll be hearing this in Las Vegas. If you are a member of the industry and you're interested in seeing a lot of amazing machines and finished goods, ingredients, just if you want to see what's going on in the baking industry, go to Vegas, check out IBIE, the International Baking Industry Exposition. It's going to be a blast. I will be there so you can come say hello to me. Uh, Connie, you will. Oh, not. Oh. Hey, uh, anyway, moving that's on. That's not from nice. That. <laughs> You're too serious for a blast type situation, Brayden. I think uh, next time there needs to be a little bit more wild card action. Hey, that's me. Um, so yeah. This is a serious episode. <sighs> okay. All right. It's well, serious. Well, then all of you guys try to break Brayden out of his serious persona uh, when you see him at IBIA. But definitely make a little detour to go visit the ABA as well. I think there might be some informational sessions that they will oh, be yes. leading as they well. They have a lot of educational sessions that you can go and check out while you're there. It's well worth it. They have some great information and they use your folks from the industry to build that information. Again, they t- go to their members and they pool resources. It's, it's really a great group of people. It's a great organization. And we're very thankful that Lee made the time for us. And I'd also like to throw a shout out and a thank you to Haley and Katie who helped set all of this up at the ABA. They're two folks that we work with on projects. They are great. So in addition to Lee, she's wonderful, but Haley and Katie, you're also the best. Thank you so much for setting this up. As you, our listeners, you're also the best. We like each and every one of you. If you ever want to talk to us, just email us at epicureanunicorn at prados.com. And until next time, stay safe, stay well, go eat some delicious grain-based food, and we will be seeing you. Bye-bye-bye. Bye-bye-bye. Bye. For now. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you have questions, comments, baking troubles, or are just epicurious about the topics discussed today, you can send an email to epicureanunicorn at If your question is short and sweet, we may even feature it on the show. Epicurean Unicorn is a production of the Parados Corporation. Help us to keep spreading the magic of food through continued conversation and the pursuit of knowledge. This has been a Studio 47 production.